Scripture reading this morning will be taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Be found on, found on page 1050 in the Bible's placed in the pews. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, again, we welcome you. It's an honor to have you. It encourages us, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Friday, after the Sunday bulletin was printed, it was Friday afternoon late, uh, Sherry Clark was baptized into Christ. And uh, don't want to embarrass her, but if you want to stand or raise your hand, we are uh, thrilled for Sherry and her decision, her commitment. She's been uh, very religious for many years. And as she studied God's plan of salvation, she wanted to make sure that, that her baptism was what God asked that to be. And so she submitted herself in that way. And we are so thankful for her and rejoice with her. A wonderful lady. If you don't know her, be sure you get to know her. The text that has just been so capably read for you. It's really a challenge to followers. Oftentimes, we speak to leaders as we read from the Scriptures, as many Scriptures that deal with leaders speak to leaders. But here is a passage that deals with leadership, but then he speaks to the followers. i got to share with you, Friday morning in the wee hours of the morning, I had a dream. Now, I'm a hard sleeper. I usually don't remember dreams. I'm sure I dream each night, but I usually don't remember them. This was one of those dreams that as it took place, I was figuring out what was happening as it took place. And so my dream began with me realizing I'm at a funeral. And then I realized that all the pallbearers were standing kind of in an arch around the casket and the audience was behind us. And I thought, well, this is different. This is a different culture, but I'm good. I'll figure this out as we go. And so I'm standing there in each one of them and then it hits me. I guess we're waiting to have a prayer. Well, as I'm trying to figure out if I'm the one supposed to lead the prayer, I think to myself, I wonder who it is that's deceased. And so I look over in the casket, and Griff is lying there. And so I think, I guess I'm about to speak in honor of Griff's life. And then I notice him straighten his shoulders. And keep in mind, in this dream, I'm figuring it out as I go. And so then I think, oh yeah, that's right. They said he hasn't died yet, but he will very soon and we're going to go ahead with the funeral. <laughs> and so uh, we're cool with that. Everybody's standing around the casket's cool with that. And, uh, and so I think, well, somebody here is supposed to lead the prayers. So I guess it's me. So I said, let us pray. And about that time, Griff comes up on his elbow and he bows his head, and he starts leading the prayer. <laughs> Needless to say, a lot of other things was running through my mind. I was thinking, wow, do I speak of his life in past tense or with him still alive? And I've never done a funeral where the person sits and, or lies and listens to what's being said. 
But you know, when we think about our elders, and we think about Griff jumping in there and, and leading the prayer, you know, that's really the, uh, in a sense, in a stretch, the symbolism of our elders. They're always willing to serve. They're always willing to love us. They're always willing to be among us. They're willing to be out in front of us, giving us the direction, but they're willing to live their life among us and serving us. As you think about a shepherd, that is the analogy that the Lord would oftentimes give of elders. In 1 Peter 5, He would speak to them, telling them to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. In Acts 20 and 28, He would tell them to shepherd and to oversee. And so when we see the importance of this... I want you to think about it as it relates to the theme that we've been looking at for many weeks now. And as we introduce this, you might want to drop back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. You think about the fact that in Acts, the 17th chapter, Paul went in to Thessalonica. And as he began teaching and preaching, great persecution broke out. They accused him saying, this is the one that has turned the world upside down. And now he has come here also. And so we've been thinking for several weeks, what is it that we can do to capture the heart of the community about us? I want you to notice something. When the community about us sees a group that is united, a group that has strong leaders, leaders that love the followers and followers that love and respect the leaders, a group that together we know the direction for which we're headed, that is attractive to the community about us. In other words... You never see someone out in the community say to someone that's a part of a church, Oh, I've heard that there's a lot of fighting and bickering going on up there at your church. Yes, we're, we're having some problems right now. Well, great. I thought I'd bring my family up there. We love to be a part of groups that fight and bicker. You don't hear that. Why? Because people are looking for something that is solid in their life, something that's peaceful, something that is built upon something that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In other words, it's unified, and that body is unified in love. I'd like for us, not that we have time to develop these points this morning, but I'd like for us to begin this morning by seeing if we're ever going to capture the heart of the community about us, we're going to have to show them a body that they would want to belong to. Notice as we look in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, skip down and look at verse 16. He says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, but whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working, but which every part does its share. Notice this line, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is a passage where God literally says, I want to tell you some things that causes the body to grow. Well, what's he going to address? Well, if we drop back to verse 1, we'd see that he addresses many things. He addresses our attitude. He addresses our doctrine. But notice one of the things that he addresses in verse 11. In other words, if the body is to grow, he says in 11, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. If the body is to grow, we have to have leaders. He gives leaders of the infant church. In other words, when the church was in her beginning, The apostles were the leaders. Prophets would speak forth the message of God. But then, as the infant church started to mature, apostles were not replaced. Instead, elders were appointed. 
And notice now, it's not going to be prophets speaking forth the gospel. It's going to be evangelists to take the word of God that's been recorded. And now they're going to preach the gospel. And so notice the next ones. Evangelists and some pastors. The word pastor comes from the same word that is usually translated in the New Testament to shepherd. In other words, there is no doubt about the fact that this is referring to elders. In other words, he's speaking of the church. And he's speaking of those that's going to have a heavy influence in the lives of the members of the church. And he speaks of evangelists those that preach and teach the gospel. And then he speaks of the shepherds, the pastors, those that's going to have the oversight of their soul. And then he speaks of the teachers, teachers that are involved in the lives of individuals sharing the Word of God with them have a very important impact in the lives of individuals. Teachers this morning, you need to realize that God places you in a list of individuals that are leaders in that sense. A heavy responsibility. Now, what are we to do? Notice as we skip on down to 13, just to make this point of unity. Notice he says, till we all come together in the unity of the faith. Now, what's this unity of faith based on? Of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So notice, we're going to lead individuals in a unity of faith. What's that unity of faith? It's the faith of Jesus Christ leading them in one direction toward Jesus Christ. Notice how that's stated again in verse 15. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, who is Christ. In other words, when we think about whether or not this morning all of us here are willing to submit to God's plan, are we willing to submit to God's plan of unity? Are we willing to stand as united front? There's some people that, as the old expression is, they get a kookaburra under their saddle and they say, I'm not ever going to get along with so-and-so. Or they may even point to the elders and say, one of them hurt my feelings, I'm never going to submit to them. Friends, we can't be what God wants us to be unless we're willing to submit to His plan. And His plan is for the elders and the followers to be on the same page. They're all growing into the fullness of Jesus Christ. And we're going to speak the truth in love. Now, notice God's plan. As we look back to Titus, in Titus the first chapter in verse 5, we see God's plan of the eldership. Notice what He says to Titus. Paul is saying this to him as he left him back on the island of Crete. Crete was known as as an island of a thousand cities. And so you can imagine there's just cities dotted all over Crete. And notice what he says in verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking. So in other words, there's some things that are lacking that need to be put in order. And appoint elders in every city as I command you. And then he gives some of the qualifications of elders. In other words, if I am going to submit to God's plan, not only of unity, I have to also submit to his plan of leadership. Because that's a part of his plan of unity, as we saw back in Ephesians 4. What is his plan of leadership? Every congregation needs elders. Now, let's see, what's the responsibility of these elders? He speaks in Acts the 20th chapter in verse 17 to the elders that were the elders of Ephesus. He's meeting with them in Miletus. Notice what he says to them in verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit... Now, notice that phrase. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To do what? To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Is this God's plan or not? Notice how these men became overseers. He says, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Yes, David, but this was back in the first century. Maybe it was a miraculous measure that made these men overseers. Well, we need to address that this morning. Was it a miraculous nature that made them the overseers? 
If that's the case, then we can't have overseers today that have been made overseers by God. That means we're on our own. I wish God was involved in our church. I wish He was involved in in helping us establish the organization of our church. But of course God does that. How does God do that? When we think about the office of elders, was it God-made or man-made? God made that office. We didn't sit down and come up with that. What about the qualifications for the men to fulfill that office? When we follow those qualifications, those men have fulfilled the qualifications given by God. They're God's qualifications. They're not men's qualifications. And we say, well, what are these men to do? What's the responsibility of the elders? And if we go back to the Scriptures and we look and see what the Scriptures says that a man in the office of the elder is to do, we see that it's God-given responsibilities. Friend, in the first century, and now here we are in 2006... God is still making men elders in an office that He has given by giving them responsibilities from God. And so you and I have to stop and say, if this is what builds unity, if this is what attracts other people, is having that strong eldership that is leading us all toward God, am I willing to submit to these men that have been given this responsibility by God? You see, all of that is an introduction, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter in the text that has been read. In other words, he's writing to this church and he's urging them to have a love and a respect and even a knowledge of who these men are and what they do. Notice again, as we go back to our text in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12, he says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Now this word when he says to recognize is an interesting word. As we think about are we willing to submit to the elders? Are we willing to recognize them? Some of your translations probably said to know them. This word is a very common word in the New Testament. Many times it's translated to see. The first time we have it recorded in the New Testament, it was in Matthew, the second chapter, verse 2, when the wise men, they saw the star. And so now Paul is writing and he is saying, I want you to see the men that are over you. What does he mean to see them? He's using it in the sense that when we see something and we say, ah, I see, I understand, I recognize. Now, if you'll notice here, we've just read something that's not a suggestion from God. He urges us to do this in our life through the Apostle Paul. Do you know the elders? As I said before, we oftentimes talk about the responsibility of the elders, but followers have responsibility in light of studying leadership also. God gives you and I the responsibility to know those who labor among us. I want you to think with me for just a moment. These are the men that worship with us every week. Do you know them? They're the ones that are in your Bible classes and many of them teach your Bible classes. 
If you are new in recent years, at least two of them have sat down and talked with you as you became a member here. Do you know your elders? If you're new in recent years, all of you newcomers have been invited to James Whitaker's home and and into Katie's home. And their hospitality has been offered as they have shared with you ways to become involved and just information about the church. It's a wonderful way that an elder has opened up their home. Do you know them? Most of our elders come early to services and leave late. You can find them afterwards if you'll just look for them. You can visit with them. Many of them go out every Monday night and make visits. They make hospital visits. They go by funeral homes. They make themselves available. They receive phone calls every week. They want to be involved in your life. I want to urge you, if you have to honestly say this morning, I really don't have a clue who our elders are. I don't really know them. I want to encourage you to start doing something about that this week. I want to encourage you to take the time. Maybe it'd be a good time to join up on an outreach team because our elders participate on the outreach teams because that gives the congregation an opportunity to sit down once a meal, once a month and have a meal with one of the elders. What a wonderful thing. But friends, it's more than, than just a wonderful experience. It's a command that's given to us by God to know our elders. As you see this slide here, and I almost hesitate to do what I'm about to do because I think I just found out right before church started that my numbers are wrong. So will you give me some grace of like five to ten years here? But I want to give you an idea of who, who your elders are here. As you look at the screen, you see David Burka and his wife is Melissa. They've been here at Mount Juliet for at least 20 years and he's been an elder for at least three years. Brother Albert England and his wife Mayola, they've been at Mount Juliet... Uh, for about 35 years, and he's been an elder for at least 25 years. David Fleming and, and Melva, they have been here for more than 20 years and been an elder for around 15 years. And Dwayne Griffin, his wife Sue, they've been in Mount Julia for around 30 years and been an elder for around 15 years. Pat Hackney's been here for more than 60 years. This is his home, Mount Juliet Congregation, all of his life. And his wife Carol's one of our secretaries, and he's been an elder for 20 or more years. Tony Huddleston, and his wife, Pat, she is one of our secretaries also. They've been here for over 20 years, and he's been an elder for around 10 years. James Whitaker and his wife, Katie, they've been here for uh, around 20 years, and he's been an elder for th- more than three years. And Tommy Whittle and his wife, Sandra, she's the one that takes care of our babies in the nursery and organizes that wonderful department. And they've been here for more than 30 years and been an elder for more than 10 years. Friends, these are people that love this congregation. You can see by the tenure of time that they have been here. They're committed to us as a church family. They're committed to the Lord and to His work. I want to challenge you. Make sure you fulfill God's will. Get to know them. Why do we want to get to know them? Not only to get to know them individually, but for a moment, let's think about verse 12 again. We need to get to know their responsibilities. Now, we could study for weeks the responsibilities of elders, but let's just mention the ones that are mentioned in this particular verse. Notice how he says in verse uh, 12 here, to recognize those who labor 
among you. The word among is oftentimes used by God when He's talking about the life of the shepherds. In 1 Peter, the fifth chapter and verse 2, when He wrote to the elders and He told them to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Why? He didn't pick out the analogy of the rancher. You know, I tell you, I, I would prefer cattle ranching any day over sheep. And this is the reason why. Cattle ranching, you have a ranch home. And your cattle live miles around you. And you live in your house and you keep your distance from the cattle. And you go out and you check them maybe once a day or three times a week. And you count them and you make sure they're all right. They're pretty much able to take care of themselves. They're able to guide themselves to their own water and to their own pasture. Sheep aren't that way. Sheep are dependent. Friends, when the Lord described the church... He didn't describe us as a herd of cattle and we need a rancher. He says, we're sheep. We need protection. We need feeding. We need guiding. And I'm going to put shepherds over you. I need to know those that labor among us. Our elders, they don't see themselves as a hierarchy that's way above us, looking down, ruling with an iron fist. They followed God's plan. They see a responsibility that God has given them to lead and to serve in the office of elder, but realizing that that is done among the people. Our lives will be blessed the better we get to know these men. Not only do we see that we walk with them and that we're among them, but notice also in 12 he says that they are over you in the Lord. They do have authority over us. Look, if you will, in Hebrews, the 13th chapter. The question is, are we willing to submit to their authority? Notice how he says this, speaking of leaders in the church, in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and verse 17. He says, Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. You see, if we think about our responsibilities as followers, here are ones that rule over us, but what is Hebrews 13, 17 saying to us? First he says, I want you to obey them. The idea of obey is first to listen, to be convinced, and to do. Have we listened to what our elders have asked us to do? Are we convinced that their leadership is the right leadership? And are we on board saying this is what we want to do? If so, we're ready to be submissive. We're ready to follow our Lord through their leadership. Now, here's the test. The way we follow. Can the elders say it is a joy to have them as a part of the flock? Or would they have to honestly say they bring a lot of grief to our flock? You see, that's what he's talking about, the latter part of 17 there. Now, friends, I think we have a tremendous leadership and I think we have a tremendous congregation. Please don't take this as as a negative or a slam. But you know, there's not a lot of time that passes that the elders have to handle a problem. That the bottom line is, if the person would just do right, there wouldn't be a problem. If the person would just live a righteous life, they wouldn't have to deal with that grief that that has brought into that person's life and into the life of the church. I need to think about how I'm following God. And realize that how I follow God 
affects how I follow within the body also. And I'm either bringing joy to the body of Christ or I'm bringing grief to the body of Christ. But wouldn't it be wonderful if I could live my life in the church and be able to to pass away and let it be said, I never once brought grief into the life of an elder. If an elder is a godly man and he's leading in a godly way, I should never be grief in his life. Now, you see the responsibility that he gives the elders there. Quickly, they have to rule. They have to watch. They have to guard. But also, do you note there, it says one that gives an account. They're going to have to give an account for how they look over us. That brings us to our third point there in verse 12 about if we need to not only recognize and know the men, we need to know their responsibilities. One of the responsibilities that God gives them in verse 12 is to admonish you. The word admonish is oftentimes translated in the scriptures, warn. It is God's, it is a God-given responsibility for elders to warn us. Look with me, if you will, to Acts, the 20th chapter. I'd like for us to see a time. This, again, is where Paul is talking to the elders at Ephesus. And, you know, Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus. And back when he was helping the church mature, and now the church has elders. And he reminds them of back when the church was younger, and he was somewhat the leader of that church at that time. He reminds them of one of the things that he did, and he's encouraging them to stay on that same path of keeping false doctrine out and staying what God wants them to be. And notice what he says in 31. Look for the word warn, and it's the same word in monish. And he says, therefore, watch and remember. This is Acts 20 and 31. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn. I did not cease to admonish everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of, of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What did he do? Paul says, look, this is how I admonished you. I went from house to house, night and day. And many times I sat down with tears in my eyes and I begged you, I warned you, don't get involved in this false doctrine. Listen, the warning that elders are to do is, again, it's not from a pedestal with an iron fist and a thick tongue scolding. It's for men that have lived among us. They've loved us. They've served us. And they have not only every right, they have the responsibility to come to us and say, I want to give you this warning. And who are we to bristle up the hairs in the back of our neck and say, why are you telling me that? You don't think I'm a spiritual person? I think there's somebody else you need to be going and talking to. Why would we want to give grief to the elders when the elders are simply doing what God has asked them to do? Friends, if we could start over here and go all the way around the room in honesty and everyone here could say, the elders have never warned me about anything, we would have elders that were not doing what God asked them to do. You see, we're studying this morning submissive to leadership. And what it really comes down to, am I humble? 
If I'm full of pride, I've got an idea that says I don't really need somebody to lead me and I certainly don't need someone to correct me. And someone that's humble says, you know what? I believe in God's plan of unity. I believe in God's plan of leadership. And I believe in the responsibilities that God has given these men. And I believe that there will probably be some time in my life that I could use a warning. I'm a pretty arrogant fool if I think I can live all my life in the church and never need anyone to warn me. Let's make sure that we make their job a joy. Even when they're doing the things that may be sobering to us at the moment, and it may even hurt. Let's close this by mentioning Verse 13. Let's go back to our text. We're in 1 Thessalonians. Notice what he says in 13. And here's where I hope that you and I will actually do something this week as a result of this study. In 13, he says to esteem them. That means to give them honor. Now, how are we going to esteem them? Very highly in love for their work's sake. So now let's think about this for a moment. We're supposed to esteem them. But how do we do it? It's affectionate esteem. It's in love. In 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, we have there a list of agape, of love. And, and it, is, it involves kindness and long-suffering and, and etc. And you know the passage there. And so as we think about that, the question is, when's the last time I have esteemed one of our elders? When's the last time I have honored one of our elders? When's the last time I've gone by and very directly... I've given some kind of word of encouragement because I love them. Notice this, for their work's sake. Someone says, well, I I really, I don't have the same personality as so-and-so. Well, you know, I'm just not really one of their peers. Well, you know, I just, I don't have, we're not in the same kind of career. We don't share the same hobbies. Friends, we may honor our good friends our best friends, because we enjoy doing things together. That's not what he's talking about here. He says, I want you to honor them for their work's sake. Because they have given their life to such an important work that if I'm humble, I will admit a work that has so much to do with my soul. I want to esteem them highly for that work. If you haven't written them a letter, if you haven't shaken their hand and looked them in the eye and told them specifically why you love them and why you appreciate them, I want to encourage you today to think about how can you do it. Maybe it's time to have one or two of them over to your house for lunch. Maybe it's time to meet up for dessert after worship. But just make sure, whatever it is, that we all fulfill God's plan. God's plan is to know them and to esteem them. And friends, when we have that unity in the body, we're going to have peace. As he says, be at peace among yourselves. And when we have peace, we have set ourselves up, and really it's by God's grace, He's the one that's given us the guidance, to capture the hearts of the community. People are looking for a body of believers to serve God. 
and to be at peace with God and one another. I want to thank you for being the church family that you are. It is awesome to see a church family that loves each other, a leadership that loves the body and the body that that loves the leadership. But I also want to challenge you to realize we decide each day, we decide each week who we'll be as a church family and the seeds that we're planting for the next generation. If we want this body to prosper and do well, she'll always need a strong leadership that is highly esteemed. That's our responsibility. This morning, let's close this lesson with an invitation. If you've never been a part of the body of Christ, you're missing a blessing of people that love each other and people that love God. We're added to the body of Christ when we're saved. If you haven't been saved, won't you be saved this morning? Are you a believer that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you willing to repent of sins? Are you willing to confess before man that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready now to be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins? At that time, not only will you be saved, but God will add you to the body of believers as the church universal. This morning, maybe you've been a part of the church and maybe something has separated you from what God wants you to be. You have a heavenly father that has his arms open and he's looking down the road and he wants you to return. You have eight men that look over your soul that would be thrilled this morning if you come back. You have hundreds of believers sitting around you that it would make our day, it'd make our week, it'd make our year for a soul to come home and be right with their God. Friends, we're not here to judge each other and condemn each other. We're here to encourage people to repent. And together, let's all grow into that one image of Jesus Christ. If we can help.